You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Liam Curley and Paul Hemming from C-Link discuss how small and medium-sized developers can level up their business through smart construction management. Welcome to Own the Build. I've got Paul here, as ever. Paul, how are you doing? How are you doing? Good, mate. Um, Good, thanks. Cool, me too. This episode, we're going to look, we're going to take a, a different angle than previous episodes. And we're looking at what the lenders look for from a developer. So, with that in mind, we've got a guest on, Piragas Sivanesan. Uh, the founder and MD of Tamp Finance, Piragash. Great to have you on. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Uh, excited to be uh, hopefully having an interesting conversation over the next 40 or so minutes. Um, my background is really as a kind of corporate banker from structured asset finance. I've done over 10 to 15 billion pounds worth of uh, debt deals. Um, wow. which means I've, I've sat on that side of the, the desk. I've made those decisions and I've, I've kind of sold those products. But uh, here at Totem, you know, the, the vision for the brokerage was that we really help SME uh, developers and businesses, often people who whose lives depend on actually the business that they run um, and just trying to turn the complex into simple because, if, if you're entering into a funding arrangement or a structure or, or you're really unsure because everything seems too complicated, for me, it's because everyone around you hasn't really explained it properly. Because if I'm involved in this, it means it's not that complicated. It's just about <laughs> cutting through the noise and um, and really just presenting it appropriately. Well, I don't know about the, if I, if, if you're, if you're in this, is not that complicated, but uh, yeah, I'll take your point. So um, I'm really excited to have Piragash on because um, We've we've worked together with some resources on our blog before. Piragash uh, is, is a fountain of knowledge in this area. Uh, if you follow him on LinkedIn, you'll see that um, he's got great knowledge in the area, but also um, great posts. Uh, great posts, and, and and he's really interesting. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, you always come up with something. Me up too much. We've got high hopes for this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if there's one one takeaway from this, it is that everyone must follow uh, Piriash's uh, posts on LinkedIn because they are back-to-back fantastic, every single one of them. They, they certainly are. <laughs> I certainly enjoy them. Um, yeah, so let's come back to um, what we want to focus on for this, for this episode. So we want to uh, answer this question on what, uh, as best we can, on what the lenders look for from a developer. Um, so with that in mind, let's start with Piragash. What is the current state of the property lending market? I mean, look, we've, we've probably been through one of the largest kind of shocks that... Um... Actually, yeah, sorry. Before, shall we context, in, in case anyone's not, not listened to that, this is in January 2021, so... A lot has changed recently. So sorry. No, no, no absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's really important that we make that context. But but we also have to realise that 
you know, there's been these shocks. If you speak to people in the 1920s, if you speak to people in the 1970s with high inflation, if you spoke to people just after the Big Bang in the UK, if you spoke to people through the dot-com boom, if you spoke to people through 0708, you know, these shocks uh, happen. And, and actually, it's a great time for us to kind of have this question, which is how, how, how are different things kind of reacting? I think right now, right here, um, you know, we have to acknowledge that uh, first and foremost, you know, with, with the with the pandemic, people have been affected. You know, people's lives have been affected. Mm -hmm. So it means, if we take business to one side for one second, and and, and uh, lenders for, for one side, you know, everybody who works in an organisation, be it the NHS, be it contractors, be it pe people listening, um, be it, be it people working in a bank, you know, we've all had massive change, you know, working from home, uh, Zoom, you know, uh, that, that's become a verb now, hasn't it? Uh, whereas before, no one knew what Zoom was. So, that's very true. So, so, you know, all of these things are, are things that we need to uh, appreciate. But at the same time, I would say, bring back to your question, which is what is the current state of the lending market? I'd say the good news is that the, the unlike 07, um, 0708, the funding market hasn't been at the epicenter of the chaos. You know, in 2008, uh, we had, you know, the banks completely shut down. You know, we had runs on banks, we had banks failing, we had huge kind of state intervention. But as a result of that, where we are today is our banking system is, I, I hope, after the amount of uh, regulation that has now been imposed on the system, is much safer. But at the same time, what it's actually meant for um, you know the listeners is that actually SME developers aren't necessarily flavor of the month for your high street banks. You know the, the banks that we bank with, the first person that you might think of to ask for a loan. And if you said as soon as you said, by the way, I'd like to do a development construction, they'd probably sigh, put their pen down, and say a computer says no. Um, but but the good news is that we're actually in an era where we've got a plethora of lenders, you know, peer to peer. We've got debt funds. We've got pension funds involved in funding. We've got private institutions, private individuals, because, of course, what have we seen over the last two or three years is incredible amount of um, unpredictability and actually real estate through uh, the period because it has some actual security. Um, it tends to be less volatile. And so we, we do see a lot of inflow of cash to real estate lending. And, and that's the big positive, um, I think, from, from the current uh, situation. And, and the second thing is a lot of the alternative uh, market has recognized that the one part of the market that's completely underserved is you guys, is the people listening. You know, it's the SME, it's the, the one, two, three, four, five band, it's the guys that are doing two, three, four, 10, 15, 20 units and below. Um, and, and really that's where we're seeing lots of choice. Um, you know, choice what? of course, sorry, go on. More, more so than uh, pre-pandemic. Um, I would say look, it's, it's something that, um, I wouldn't say the pandemic has meant that we've had a lot more lenders in the market. I would say that um, you know, since probably around 2015, we've had a massive increase. You know, we, for example, you know, back in 08, you'd maybe have 10, 15 lenders. Today, we've got 150, 200 lenders in terms of people that would actually lend. What's happened in the very short term of probably the last six to nine months 
is we've seen some lenders fail. We've seen, um, you know, risk perception change uh, through the first lockdown, the second lockdown. But actually, now that we're in Jan 21, um, we, we're also seeing a big resilience. You know, we're seeing on the residential side, we're seeing high value, low to value mortgages for people's residents. We're seeing a, a little bit more confidence. We're seeing valuers be confident about going out. We're also seeing that as a, as a, as, as a sort of an economy, um, all the different players, be it solicitors, et cetera, everyone's more comfortable working from home. So, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm always a, uh, a guy that's glass half full and maybe I need to be in my job. Um, but I really do believe that there's, you know, there's, there's always an option. If, if it's a good deal, I do believe, you know, now is the time that you can get funded. Paul, uh, you speak to a lot of, uh, C-Link users who are SME developers, mm-hmm. um, have they recognised any changes in uh, their relationships with lenders or the the uh, feedback that they're getting from lenders? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, um, suggest that I'm an expert on it. What what whatsoever. Um, I mean, speaking to some of the clients through C-Link and SME developers that I speak to, um, it does seem like there is a whole plethora of different options available to uh, SME developers and not one of them seems to necessarily be following the same um, path as another. Uh, So for instance, um, one of our clients does all of their lending on a construction management basis through um, high street banks, some of the very well-known ones, um, which I, I found initially quite unusual to understand, thinking that construction management was perhaps perceived as the more uh, as the riskier option to the to the high street bank. You might need a more bespoke uh, lending solution um, for construction management, whereas then other more um, less high street I don't know what the correct phrase is um, or more bespoke tailored uh, lending solutions are. Um, being used by other developers as well. So it does seem like there is, from our uh, 20, 30, 40 clients, that, uh, that no one is using exactly the same formula on a regular basis, if that's the right um, way to put it. I don't know what your experience is on that, Pariyashu, if that, uh, that resonates with you. I think, I think you're, you know, I think you're spot on. I mean, the market, you know, when you have a choice of 200 lenders, but, but what does that mean? It means that you get to build something that's truly bespoke for you. I think the wrong attitude is to either, you know, either believe that the one, it's not a cookie cutter method, I don't think. You know, I don't think you can necessarily have one relationship with one bank and keep that for the next 15 years or dare I say even the next two years. You know, I think it's about understanding the project. It's about understanding who you are as a developer and then it's about understanding what best fits. Because, for example, um, maybe you do a JV with a landowner and it's constru- and you, you've decided to apply construction management to this project. Um, but because you've done that, then overall loan to value is fairly low. Um, and so maybe you've got another business uh, which is banked by one of the high street banks. And so, so actually, uh, it kind of works with, with the high street. Um, but if, for example, you weren't able to do that JV and, and actually you've got less uh, equity, uh, you want the lender to take a little bit more risk. Well, that's then something slightly different. If, uh, for example, right now or, or, or you know, that during a period where 
liquidity is a concern, you might then, for example, look to something like a peer-to-peer -peer lender and think, I'm not sure I'm going to borrow from them in this moment because actually beyond the rate, beyond the fact that, I mean, the basics need to be done. They need to be able to give you the amount of money that you want and, you know, the methodology that you want. Like you say, construction management at the moment is, is, is certainly saving or appears to save developers a lot of funds. So, um, you know, you need those things ticked, but then there's a whole raft of secondary questions, which is, do I have, you know, do I have a consistent relationship management, a manager? Is, is there, um, how do I feel about the loan agreement? Because unlike, you know, what's our experience of our banks? It's maybe a personal loan, it's maybe a business loan, and it might be our own personal mortgage. A lot of those things are long-term, right? We're talking three to maybe 25 years in, in the case of a mortgage. Whereas actually for us um, in, in the development industry, just like your suite of contracts, if you're doing construction management is live, it's something that's tested every day, your relationship with your lender is tested every day. Why? Because when you've got to get that next drawdown, suddenly if they have an issue or a clause there that, that doesn't really deal with how the contingency funds are going to be uh, provided, or for example, how, um, how VAT is, is managed. These are the sorts of things that can really trip up uh, a developer if they're not very experienced or don't have the right team around them because to be honest, you know, I do sometimes see celebration, you know, champagne bottles, you know, off the cork because they've got the loan and they've got the project and off you go. But actually, all you've really done, you should celebrate, is you've created a huge liability. Well done. Um, because the real the real work, you know, and I and I, I always hang my hat off to, to to developers is, you know, there's no reward. You're paying everybody else. And the reward is right at the end. And, and you need yeah. the environment, uh, the market, everything to have been pretty much spot on from what you perceived in order to get, hopefully, which is a well-deserved, you know, pot of gold at the end. Yeah. It definitely is a uh, long and lengthy process to receive that pot of gold, isn't it? And uh, for the majority of it, you're cash negative, unless you're in the fortunate position of having a backlog of projects, I guess, which which allows you to uh, have a decent cash position. But I agree, it's not it's not all uh, uh, pretty blue skies being a developer, is it? It's actually very, very challenging. Absolutely. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, C-Link. Sealink is software designed to streamline the process of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to www.get dot c dash link dot com slash podcast to find out more if you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that url don't sweat it we've included the link in the description box for this episode now let's get back to the show okay so let's move on to 
how exactly lenders are making decisions today. So let's let's put to one side, things have changed. Let's look at how it is right now, Piragash. And you you've explained there there are uh, hundreds of different lenders, and obviously they are going to be differences and nuance uh, differences and nuances between uh, between each. But are there any broad factors that they take into account that their developers should be aware of? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, at the start of the program, we talked about actually how, um, you know, things should be broken down quite simply. And, you know, despite the number of lenders in the market today, you know, the principles of kind of making sure that you're lending to um, good, trustworthy borrowers, um, who have knowledge and experience to deliver their projects while managing the underlying risks. I mean, that is the job, you know, for, for a bank, I think what you need to appreciate is the one thing the bank doesn't want to do is, is lose money. You know, that's the anathema for, for banks. So, you know, we always sort of think about the three Ps, you know, whether it's it's person, so it's it's who are you? Who, who are you as a borrower? Are you someone with uh, good credit? Are you someone with a net worth? You know, if, if things start to go wrong, is it, are you someone that has the kind of depth of uh, wealth to kind of get out of it just purely out of wealth? Or are you someone that has a depth of knowledge and experience? Um, obviously, the great thing would be if you have wealth, knowledge, experience, and a great credit rating, that starts to form the basis of, of someone that I would want to do yeah. business with. Because, um, you know, if, for example, you... And I think the important thing to do is to identify which your weaknesses are and, and to recognize that. So, for example, if you've, you're someone that's never done a, um, a development before, um, but you've you found a great site with a, with a strong profit margin, um, but you recognize that you maybe you know, there are things that you don't know. It's always the things that you don't know that will trip you up is how can I plug that? Do I plug that through a, a very strong project manager? Do I plug that through the employment of a, of a strong overall board and team, be it QS, architect, civil, structural engineer, civil engineer, et cetera? Um, do I plug that through a principal main contractor? Do I plug that through actually bringing on um, a, another developer to, to sit alongside me, you know, who maybe I'm, maybe he's going to be a sounding board, but also give the gray matter or the experience to help the lender think, Okay, tick, that, that makes a lot of sense. So that's the person, I, I would say. Then you, you sort of look at the project, you know, um, what are you building? Um, simple things like, do you have planning? Don't you have planning? Is this outline planning? Is it full planning? Is it just an idea? Um, if you're a lender, typically, you don't want to be sitting around with, with something that invariably is not going to move forward quickly because interest starts to accrue from day one right and, and and that everyone loses out if you're not going to move forward so sometimes it's okay is this more for somebody that has equity that wants to put in equity and a co-investor a fund who's, who's going to maybe take some of the early risk um so when we talk about lenders that what they really like is certainty a sure bet that's what they want to lend to they don't want to lend to things which are risky because why they don't want to lose money so Again, the project, what are we talking about? So we've talked about the initial thing, which is the planning, but then what are you building? Is it is it purpose-built for the area? You know, are you trying to build starter homes 
in or are you trying to build multi-million pound penthouse apartments in east london for example probably not going to work mm. you know are you um and, and 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 what is the scale of the first project that you're trying to do are you trying to do are you trying to deploy you know 700 homes in one go or are you doing a phased approach of three four homes um are you uh and then you know how do you recognize your costs and these are all the things that you know hopefully the listeners these are the things that they're thinking about you know what is your bill pound per square foot does it make sense mm. what is your level of contingency all of these are around the project and then fundamentally is for, for a lender it's what is the overall loan to cost so what do i mean by loan to cost you know it's a it's a phrase but 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 let's put that to one side what it really means is what is your skin in the game? Because if I'm giving 100% loan to cost, that means I'm funding everything, right? That means you've got nothing in the game. And if, if things go wrong, you walk away and I'm left holding the can. So obviously that's an issue yeah. for me, right? So, so that's leverage, 100% loan to cost. Very, very few lenders will, will, will do that. And that's more of a JV type funding. Or is it like 60%, 70% um, loan to cost? But remember, Development is different to a buy-to-let mortgage. You know, if you're buying, or even a bridge, if you're taking a buy-to-let mortgage, you might get as high as 75, 80% loan to cost. And then you try and do a development. You say, well, hang on a second. Why, why aren't I getting 80% loan to cost here? And one of the reasons is development is always a hope, right? We're going to borrow this money today in the hope that we're going to create something worth something in the future. But if we don't create that, and if the hope is not fulfilled, often it's worth less than what we're putting in. So, so that's that's part of the psyche that a lender has to consider when they're looking at loan to cost. The other one is day one loan to value. So one of the things that often trips up um, developers is the notion that um, you get funded in arrears, which means you've got to spend, or at least conceptually spend, some money before the lender will then check what you've done and then pay you back, right? And so that is all related to day one loan to value because what a lender wants to do is it wants to ensure that ideally day one, it's lent nothing and you've got land. So if your land's worth say half a million and it's agreed, say another half a million loan, if everything goes wrong on day one, they're up because they've lent nothing on 500,000. And on day yeah. two, they've lent you 50 grand. And against the 500,000 land, plus if you've put 50 in, probably you've created some value. So maybe that 50 is worth 65. So now it's 565 grand against the 55 that they've lent. They're always wanting to be in a position where the overall security makes sense. Why? Because when things go wrong and a lender steps in, the problem that happens is all values go out the window, right? When you've got a site that's gone wrong, all the, all values go out the window because why? Buyers become predatory and, you know, like sharks, you know, we've seen at auctions, oh, oh, there's a repossession, maybe we can get a great deal or there's a bank repossession and everyone thinks that they can get it off the bank cheap. So that's why a bank's always conscious about where it sits versus its security. So. So the first thing is we, we talked about, and then, and then, so we talked about loan to cost, we talked about day one loan to value, and then there's loan to GDV, which is how much of a loan is, does it exist today or overall versus the overall sales value. In many ways, the difference represents your buffer. 
right? So, so if you're 70% loan to GDV, it means your total loans at 70%, and that buffer is how much the sales value can fall before the bank makes a loss. And, and they're the sort of things that universally banks will consider uh, in their analysis. Right. And some will consider loan to GDP more, some will consider loan to cost more, some will consider the other things more. So we've talked about the project and the person and the final piece. I was, I was, I was going to ask, what's, what's, what's the third P? I'm desperate to know what the third P is. Well, P it's is. not Piragash, but it, I should make it a fourth <laughs> oh, P. Which is... I, was, I, was, I was hoping it was going to be Piragash or Paul. <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, the, the, the third P is is the place. You know, it's it's around location. You know, um, we've all watched enough uh, TV uh, real estate programs to know location, location, location. So you know, does your project fit the location? Uh, is there demand for the location? Are you building for for the local demand? And are you uh, you know, is there an over is there an over amount of or pent up demand, should we say, for the product that you're trying to produce? So they're very broadly, if you're going to stand back and go, I'm about to meet my lender and I want to think about how I'm going to communicate with them. Talk about that in those three parts. You know, sometimes people rush in with the project. Well, start with you. Start with why you're a great borrower for them. And it could be your experience. And don't don't be worried about the fact that you may not have full experience. What do you have? So some, you know, some things we see is um, people from the city or IT, a lot of IT project managers are great at, um, at construction and development because they're used to understanding how a program needs to work. And bring that experience. Talk about what, what sort of projects you've done and, and why that's transferable. Um, and then, you know, hopefully you've got good credit and, and, and just stand, you know, I will pay you back. That's what I've always done throughout my history, whether it's been my personal loan, my car loan or my mortgage. Um, and then slowly move on to the team, the skills, and then the project, know your numbers, you know, know, know every part. Because if, if the lender knows more about the project than you do, that's never going to give confidence. You know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in you always want to, shock and awe you know shock and awe in terms of how how well you know a project is always is always you know going to go down well and then the final thing is yeah re, re reaffirm not only are you the good borrower not only so the person not only are you the right person not only is this the right project but finally this is absolutely the right place and that's why you put the three piece together and 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 that really hopefully gives you a flavor of how lenders um, look at projects so if I summarize what I draw from, from your three Ps and I, I view it, I'm a marketer, right? So I view it as a marketer. And I think most of that is marketing, right? Uh, to the, uh, to the lender prospective lender. So what you're looking at is you, you, you call it person, but you could also call, look at it as team essentially. So although you are the person heading it up, um, they're going to look at the team. Uh, and you need to market your team that is completely credible to deliver what you're saying you're going to deliver. You need to um, pitch or market the project that it is viable and that it's sellable and that you're going to make money on it. Uh, it all makes sense. You're selling that to them. And then you're selling the um, the credibility aspect uh, the numbers aspect, the fact that you've got skin in the game and the fact that this all stacks up and I could see from a cash flow perspective, I could see the way you've laid this out. I could see why you've come 
to the conclusion that you're going to make you're going to make money and therefore I'm going to make money. You convince them of those three things and voila, you can crack open the champagne. You've got the money. Job is done. <laughs> can, 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 I, can, I, can I ask though, because um, being a uh, construction uh, person and that's... Oh, what... here we go. We're trying to keep you out of this. I know, yeah, I've got to try and nuzzle my way in. Um, but just trying to understand, because um, it uh, finance does seem like a complicated world to someone who isn't involved in it. And when you when you say, know your project and explain your project to to the lender, show them how much you know about it, what, what, what do you actually, uh, what does that actually mean? Because I know that might sound like a stupid question, um, but what, what, What's the formula? What are you expecting me to be able to tell you about my project that is going to fill you with confidence that I that I know my project, if that makes sense? So um, I would I would almost you know, uh, admittedly I'm a numbers person, right? So I, I let the numbers guide me. But for example, if you look at a basic appraisal, right, um, and whether you start with the costs or whether you start with the uh, the GDV, but if we start with the costs, you know. What are you purchasing this for? So, so normally we'd start with purchase, um, then we'd start with purchase costs, then we'd look at bill costs, then we'd look at um, professionals, uh, the SIL S106, um, the finance and interest costs, which you, you know you may or may not have at that point, um, and then you look at the sales. So, what do we start with? Which is why why am I buying this site? Why do I think it's good value? Well, hopefully your appraisal works out on a residual value what why you think the site's uh, worthwhile a bit of history around the site you know is this just an open market transaction that you've found from on right move or is this something you've had to build is this something maybe you've had an option on and so you're creating a lot of value constantly and so although the purchase price might be x the value is actually y and and then that you know you're already building profit into this project so you know that that always gets um investors and and or lenders excited you know purchase costs you know how are you how are you managing that do you understand the stamp duty do you understand the fact that you know for example if 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 you're completely changing uh, or, or if the site is un, uninhabitable, you know, have you, have you, are you on top of that from an accounting perspective? Um, then, you know, moving on to bill costs, are you do, are you, how have you thought about that? You know, do you have some basic building drawings, or do you have you worked with a QS? Are you using benchmark, um, you know, uh, numbers from C-Link? You know, are you? Uh, you know, how, now uh, we're talking. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and because it's important, right? It's every aspect. You know, because because you can just say project there, say the project, and and hopefully, you know, as you start going the SIL S one hundred six, have you read the planning? Do you understand it? Is there is there an affordable element? Is it you know is there a, a swap option between paying a fee or actually you know making some of that affordable? And then how have you thought about that affordable? Do you have a, a registered provider that's maybe ready to take that? Um, and then of course move on to the GDV. You know, you you work through that project now. Um, apologies, I've missed out professionals, you know, so which professionals, which which professionals have you already started to use even before you've spoken to the bank? Because there are things that are really important. Yeah. And so, you know, again, you know, in terms of the plan, uh, are you using the right professionals at the right time? 
and, and what input have they given you? What confidence? Because as much as um, the bank will, will like what you have to say, having independent thought that you can put in front of them, either in terms of a document or a report, et cetera, is always gonna be powerful. Um, and then finally, we're moving on to the sales. You know, Why do you think you're gonna be able to achieve this sales figure yeah. in two years time? You know, and, and if your answer is, well, the market always goes up 15%, so I figure this is what it's gonna be, then, you know, unfortunately, even if you're right, by the way, even if you're right, you, you know, the lender's not gonna be so happy with that response. So it's, mm. you know, have you used your comparables? Does your comparables make sense? Um, and have you thought not just done a, because of course, you know, you, although pound per square foot is interesting <coughs> and, and us lenders use it, no one goes into a one bed flat and goes, well, you know, the pound per square foot is about 10 pound cheaper on this one. I think I'm, I'm I think I'm going to take this one over that one. You know, yeah. it becomes more of an, an emotional decision. So, mm. you know, it's being able to put all of it together and, and also understanding the difference between an estate agent saying, yep, this is what we think we're going to market it for and what a Rick surveyor is going to say. You know, no, that, Rick that's, that... a red book is going to be different. Sorry. No, no, that, that, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That actual, the analytical structure of know, know your project, take, it, take me through the numbers, take me through the consultants, take me through the logic, that all makes a lot of sense. And uh, now a little, a construction man like me understands exactly what you're looking for. That makes much more sense. Thanks for, for explaining. That, that makes two of us, Paul. And, um, you know, <laughs> we, did, we, we built Piragash up at the start, but he has delivered and uh, he is delivering, isn't he? Uh, he's delivering. And let's, I, not, let's not crack the champagne bottle till we're finished. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's not just a uh, maybe he's not just a good LinkedIn poster. Maybe there is no, more well, I, I think he's going to get a lot more followers off after after this. Um, <laughs> but uh, Piragash, that has been uh, I think that's been great, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to get a great deal of value out of uh, listening to that. So, um, we really appreciate you coming onto the uh the podcast and uh hopefully uh, uh look forward to, to speaking to you again in a future episode i think there's a lot more to discuss isn't there yeah more, what i'd say is i'd love listeners you know if you know i'd love to do more stuff uh with them and and if there's specific topics that people would love to discuss or you know happy to uh answer it via via this forum you know if we can get a, a regular amount of questions and things because it it can sometimes feel complicated, but it doesn't need to be, uh, you know, just like just now, you know, you asked the question around, actually, could you just break it down how we would do it? And then I sort of mentioned the appraisal and suddenly we're speaking the same language. So, um, we'll, yeah. um, to the, uh, episode description, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of link to, uh, to, to your, uh, website and LinkedIn and, and any, any, any other ways that people can get in touch. Um, great. Piragash, Paul, great to speak to you. And uh, until next time. Always a pleasure.